You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm your host, Jordan Hill. we got the whole crew with us on this Thursday afternoon as we keep it uh, moving right along in fall camp. Uh, we are uh, several about a week in now for Georgia uh, as they close in on their first scrimmage of fall camp. And as the countdown continues to September 2nd and that season opening game against UT Martin, uh, Kip, I'll start with you. It seems like all three of us have been battling uh, some storms here lately. Are, are we locked down there in Atlanta? Are we are we okay on uh, on the Wi-Fi situation today? I mean, every time I, I hear a sound outside, I, I, I get into, you know, the uh, safety position, go, start going down the hallway with my dogs. But, yeah, definitely had a, a, a branch pile drive into my house and, and, and gave me a nice-sized hole in, in the roof, so I'm tarped up. Ready to see how uh, how home insurance uh, works and learn learn more about that. But yeah, it, it seems like we have a storm every six hours right now. It's been kind of crazy. Uh, you know, uh, I, I haven't really had much time to think about you know the season being right around the corner. You know, my my older son moving into college uh, t- tomorrow, so looking forward to that as well. To giving him a quick hug, dropping everything off, and then trying to leave as quickly as possible. So he can uh, continue his journey as an adult, and I won't uh, have any ice sweat, you know, on, on, in Athens the, this weekend. But hey, man, there's a lot going on right now. There's 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 no shortage of things to talk about. So it's uh, keeping me busy right now, and hopefully we can have a couple hours here with no more storms. Yeah, fingers crossed on that. Ben, how is this week treating you? I know we're closing in on high school football in the state of Georgia. Uh, just how excited are you for uh, what we got lined up? Yeah, I'll be at a couple of scrimmages tonight and tomorrow, so I'm getting around football as much as I can, obviously. I think the first Georgia scrimmage of fall camp is always a really good milestone. You start to hear a little bit more about who's really stepping up when the lights start to come on a little bit more, so I know, you know, once Saturday comes around, I think we're going to, we already feel like we're in full swing, but once we start getting some of that fall scrimmage or, you know, that first scrimmage chatter coming out, I think that's when it's really going to feel like it's here. And so I'm excited for all that. Absolutely. Well, a lot to tackle on today's episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. And I would start uh, with the last viewing period that we got, Ben and I were both there on Tuesday, got, I think about 15 minutes and we kind of took our time walking around, looking at different things, seeing uh, what was going on as, again, as Ben just mentioned, closing in on a pretty big milestone for Georgia, that first scrimmage, which will be on Saturday, August 12th. Uh, Ben, I'll start with you, and then once you sort of give your answer, I'll jump in as well. But 
what stood out to you to from what you got to watch on Tuesday and uh, what really um, kind of sticks with you as we get ready for this first uh, scrimmage of fall camp? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it sounds somewhat repetitive because we only get so much access during these viewing periods, obviously, but there's just such a urgency to these practices. Like you hear about it all the time, how quickly everything's moving in and out, how many repetitions that everybody's getting. And you can just tell the way a lot of these drills are set up throughout even the small 15 minute portion that we get, how quickly everybody is going through their various processes. I mean, it is a really just fine tuned, well-oiled machine that they have going on over there. You know, my big takeaways really are the quarterback situation. You know, it, everybody looks like they are getting the reps that they feel like they deserve. They're getting opportunities to show what they can do. I think that everybody fully expects Carson Beck to be the starting quarterback. But I think that I've liked what I've seen just in the short period of time that we've gotten with Brock Vandegrift and Gunnar Stockton. I know you got to see them a little bit more last week because I was on the defensive side. So you can speak to what you saw during that period as well. Um, but I think, you know, what really stands out to me is the weapons that are there. It feels like there's going to be such a greater number of weapons available to whichever quarterback. Again, we assume Carson Beck, but whichever quarterback it ends up being, the weapons that they're going to have at the skill positions or on the perimeter, at least we can talk a little bit more about the running back position and how they might struggle a little bit with depth there. But I just think it's a really impressive group. And I think, you know, they were also the, the group that was closest to us during the individual drills when we got in. So we got a little bit more up close and personal look at it. Um, I really think Dominic Lovett's going to have a great fall. And I think um, I put a little bit of this in the observations on the site earlier in the week too, but he had a moment with Brian McClendon where he was really going back and forth, asking questions, confirming things before he went into the drill. And I think, I mean, there's no other way to put it other than it feels as though he sort of operates like a pro, like he has that professional mindset in terms of how he goes about his business. Um, Again, we get a very small glimpse into it. So I don't want to overplay anything that we see in that short period of time, but that one really stood out to me. Yeah. Mentioning the quarterbacks. Uh, I thought when I got to watch them last week, that was sort of where I'd focus was on the offensive side. Uh, Brock Vandergrove had one of the better throws I'd seen. He threw a dart down. I think that was the right side of the field to Arian Smith. And it seemed like that day that the quarterbacks as a whole were just sort of, uh, off and on. I mean, none of them I thought really stood out from that group. And then looking to what we got to watch this week, um, you know, the biggest thing was just some of the guys who are not 100%. Kendall Milton, Kamari Lassiter. Uh, I know Chris Pill, one of the freshmen, was off to the side working. Uh, they've got some guys, Rara Thomas as well. It seems like he uh, uh, is banged up a little bit too. Uh, they've got guys that they're trying to work to get back to full health. And you look at a position like you mentioned, Ben, we're running back. They need those guys back. And what was interesting, too, on that side, you've got Kendall Milton out, but you did have Branson Robinson back, and it looked like he was back working with the running backs. Um, we had a chance on Thursday to talk to Dell McGee, and uh, he was saying a whole lot of good things about Branson. He talked about even when he was not available, um, just how good of a job he did studying film, taking care of stuff in the classroom, being a leader. You know, he's still he's only a sophomore, but Dell really talked up what he's been able to do for Roderick Robinson, the true freshman. Um, so that was definitely a good sign to have Branson Robinson back. And you want to continue to see what Andrew Paul is able to do as he comes back from that torn ACL. Other than that, when it comes to what we saw on Tuesday, um, biggest thing for me was watching Chaz Chambliss. We've heard a lot of good things about him. And 
was really struck by some of the things Glenn Schumann had told us earlier in the week. Uh, I, I think, and I'll be honest, I mean, he's a guy that I had sort of circled. You know, he was the most experienced outside linebacker coming into spring. I was like, you know, he'll, he'll probably still be a reserve like he was last year, but I look at a guy like Jalen Walker, or maybe even Marvin Jones Jr. stepping up. I think Chaz is the guy at outside linebacker, and I think that's credited to him, the job he's done, how hard he's worked. I mean, he, he has done a very good job. And you think about the shoes, whoever wins that job, are, are looking to fill. I mean, Nolan Smith and Robert Bill, um, I think that Chaz understands what he's stepping into. And from everything we've heard and everything we've seen so far, I think he's put himself in a very good position. I'm curious, Jordan, what's been your favorite Kirby Smart hot mic moment so far from our viewing periods? Uh, definitely the first day when we, we figured out he's not much of a meteorologist. Uh, he was <laughs> yelling at one of the freshmen saying, you guys were complaining, you know, it was so hot. And he was like, it's 60 degrees out here and you know, y'all are loafing or whatever he said. And I definitely cleaned up some of the language. But uh, I, I hate to break it to Kirby. It was a little bit hotter than that. The humidity was up. Uh, I, I, you know. Now, not to not, not to be one to uh, defend anyone not going one hundred percent, but uh, Kirby's uh, Kirby's read on the temperature was a little bit off. Uh, what about you, Ben? Any of them stick out to you? Well, the reason I was thinking of it because when I was watching the quarterbacks on what it was that Tuesday, I guess now they had completed basically every pass. They were doing a drill where all four quarterbacks, Jackson Muschamp included, were all going one at a time, running four different routes and. I think they'd completed every single pass. And obviously they're throwing on air. So the expectation is that they're going to be completing the passes, but they started throwing in a defender into the drill and Gunner and Brock, or I think it was Gunner and Carson actually both threw in completions out of the back of the end zone. And you'd think like, Oh, okay. There's been one incompletion during this entire drill. And of course, Kirby smart, who's viewing everything that's going on. Right. obviously sees the fact that these happen and he called out 0% completion rate on balls out of bounds, 0% completion rate on balls out of bounds. And it just amazed me that I felt like I had just heard him yelling out something to the defensive side, calling somebody out for trotting around on the defensive side. And then all of a sudden he's noticing the only incompletion that's happening over on the the quarterback session. So I just find his, uh, his ability to recognize things to be crazy, but also I think Del McGee brought it up today that everybody, uh, everybody gets the smoke at at practices. Yes, that's exactly what Dell said. And what's funny, you know, for people who may not have ever been to a Georgia practice, Kirby's on the mic, but you don't always know exactly where he is. I mean, it's kind of like the voice of God where all of a sudden you just hear, you know, him call out somebody and you're kind of looking around. Yeah, we're on the sideline, you know, we're not getting called out. So I can't imagine being a player and all of a sudden, you know, the off a second string offensive lineman's getting it. and You're kind of looking around like, where is Kirby? I don't know exactly where he's set up. Uh, you know, Something else I wanted to tackle is last couple days we've gotten some of the assistant coaches. So it started with Glenn Schumann and it started with Todd Hartley on Tuesday. And then we had a chance to talk uh, to Del McGee and Mike Bobo on Thursday. And uh, I'll kind of rattle through some of the stuff that stood out to me. And if you guys had anything that you saw through the videos, through the quotes, by all means, have at it. Uh, Glenn Schumann, the biggest thing to me, it was interesting getting his perspective on what exactly he looks like, looks for in inside linebackers. Obviously, they just signed three really, really good inside linebackers in that 23 class. Um, had a lot of good things to say about Chaz Chambliss. Uh, gave good insight on Jalen Walker being a guy that moves from inside out and inside to outside linebacker and sort of back and forth. Uh, Todd Hartley, no surprise, a lot of good things about Brock Bowers, wrote about that. Not only in what Brock 
is able to do as a player, obviously defending Mackey award winner may very well go and win it again. Uh, but I wrote a story on Thursday that I thought was really interesting. Todd Hartley talking about the standard he sets that, that Brock has set for Oscar Delp, Pierce Sperlin, Lawson Lucky, and then tight ends that come, you know, along the way after them, just with how Brock works. Um, he's so competitive. He, uh, Hartley basically said he gets pissed off when he gets pulled out of reps and he's like, coach, what I do? And he's like, look, I need to see Oscar Delp. I need to see these younger guys. You know, basically you're doing fine. You're Brock Bowers. Um, but that's just how competitive he is. Uh, and then today, Del McGee, um, still very confident in the running back room with Kendall Milton banged up. Tried to get a, a straight answer out of him on what exactly Kendall's dealing with. It sounds like it's a hamstring, but uh, Dell Dell wouldn't really say what was going on there. But uh, spoke really highly of Branson Robinson, as we mentioned. Andrew Paul as well, who's coming back from that torn ACL. Um, and then Mike Bobo kind of closed things out. Uh, very intrigued, you know, listening to him talk about why he wanted to come back to Georgia last year as an analyst. And, you know, he talked about learning. I mean, you know, Mike's been in this business a whole, whole lot of years, uh, was the offensive coordinator at Georgia for eight years. I mean, has a ton of experience, but he talked about wanting to learn and, and being willing to learn and being willing to do what was ever asked of him. And, and I went back to uh, what Todd Munkin had told us, I believe that was before the Peach Bowl, talking about how Mike was willing to draw up cards and willing to do stuff that you would, essentially assume a GA would do. Um, and this is a guy with a whole lot of experience as an offensive coordinator. But Mike talked about wanting to help the team and wanting to do his part and wanting to play whatever role was needed of him. And I, I thought that was really interesting as well as just Mike talking about what the offense is going to look like this year. A point that, uh, you know, I thought uh, was very interesting and something that I've hit on you know, he said it's probably going to look different this year, but even if Todd Munkin was standing here right now instead of me, it probably was going to look different. And it boils down to personnel uh, and it boils down to what they have compared to what they had in 2022. So a lot of really good insight and a ton of stories to still ride out of these last few days. I thought there was a lot of really good nuggets and a lot of things that uh, really caught my attention. Uh, I'll throw it to you first, Ben. Was there anything from what You've seen these last few days from these coaches that really stands out to you or uh, really piqued your interest. Yeah, this will probably be a theme of all year long is like how many creative ways can we come up to describe how impressive Brock Bowers is? I mean, Todd Hartley had his own flair that he put on it. We got the Nick Chubb comparison from Mike Bobo today, which I, I think that's the first time that I've heard Nick Chubb and Brock Bowers be compared to one another. But I think that you're going to hear all season long all of the various reasons why Brock Bowers is different than everybody else. And I think this is something that everybody in Athens has known really since he was starting game one against Clemson two years ago. But I think that he, it's now reached the level of national prominence that he's in the conversation for who many people view as the best player in college football, whether or not that's something that makes him Heisman worthy is a whole nother conversation. But when you talk about his position group I don't think anybody questions whether he's the best at, at his position coming into the season and that's across the board in college football so it's been fun to hear some of his position coaches coordinators find new creative ways to explain just how you know different he really is than everybody else and then you know I, I just wrote about it as well at dog 24 7 but um, the re 
recruiting questions. I'm a simple person, Jordan. I'm always going to gravitate to whenever recruiting questions get answered in press conferences. So Del McGee talked a little bit about the transformation of the type of guys that they recruited, what the recruiting philosophy has been through various coordinator changes, and that he adapts who he's recruiting and who he wants in that running back room based on what that coordinator prioritizes, what their view on the running game is. And obviously how Jim Chaney felt about things is not how Todd Munkin felt about things. And that the way it's going to be with Mike Bobo is very similar to how it's been with Todd Munkin. They want to find running backs that you can create matchups with linebackers against, that you can get the ball in space and they can make plays. And I think that we've talked a little bit about the three guys that they've already gotten do that in a variety of different ways. They're not all the same, but they can all be matchup oriented options for Georgia's offensive coaches. And, you know, he was also asked about taking three and generally obviously can't speak to the specific commits right now, but he can speak to what inspired them to take three, why they were able to take three. And he mentioned that they've actually been under their allotted number, that their allotted number at the running back position is six and that they're going to have two graduating with Kendall Milton and Dejan Edwards. And so they, you know, the idea would be to backfill two, but because they had that extra allotment to get to six, that's why they wanted to go ahead and take the, the three in this cycle. So, um, you know, I'm always going to be fascinated by recruiting questions that get answered in the middle of fall camp. Yeah, I'd like to imagine while you weren't there that you just sort of felt like a buzz when, when Dale started answering that question. Yeah, and you know I had another one that I wanted to ask as well, and I, uh, you know, I wasn't able to ask it, but we'll, we'll get some more answers on the, the West Coast trend here in the future. No doubt about it. Kip, how about you just from what's been written and what's been said from these assistants this week? Uh, anything stand out? Anything really catch your interest? Well, like Ben, I was fascinated by Del McGee's comments today because, you know, he's one of the two coaches that has been on Kirby's staff from the beginning. And so he's been able to see just how the offensive philosophies changed, you know, through the coordinators. And, you know, he mentioned a lot now instead of just, you know, that north south, you know, the the guys that he had in the backfield when he got there, the older guys, Nick Chubb, you know, Sonny Michelle, those guys that now there's a greater emphasis on being able to make plays in space, you know, catch the football and, you know, have create matchup issues for linebackers. And you're looking at the backfield right now. And I mean, I would say that's arguably the biggest question mark other than I guess what the passing game is going to look like under a new quarterback is this backfield. It's the biggest positional question mark I would say Georgia has right now. And so, you know, he mentions Cash Jones. He mentions what he brings to the table. And, you know, his ability to catch the football might get him, a, you know, an actual role on this team. And you really, not only can you not overlook a walk-ons of Georgia anymore, but I thought it was, you know, interesting that, you know, he mentioned him uh, with Dejon Edwards, uh, just talking about them taking on bigger loads because of injuries. And then, you know, separates him uh from from his other walk-on and uh Savion Clark you know he says even our walk-on so I'm like okay did did you know did Cash Jones get put on scholarship because I think Georgia's at I think they're at 84 right now and, and so I'm like well is, is he actually on scholarship right now that kind of piqued my interest and then obviously at the end just uh saying that you know be, being asked about getting chewed out by Kirby and then saying you know everybody gets that smoke uh that's this obviously just kind of goes back to Kirby's philosophy as far as just holding everyone in his organization accountable 
And, you know, if you, if you kind of take everything that Dell says, uh, you know, overall today, just him being there the whole time, Dell's watched this program mature and the expectations for the program and the offensive philosophies. He's seen it from, you know, from the beginning to now. And so I just think it was fascinating just to hear what they're looking for at the running back position, how that's changed. And, and overall, just how Todd Monken kind of installed a pro style uh, system there where he has each uh, assistant, you know, he assigns them an area during the week and, and, and basically has them, you know, come back with, with their viewpoints and, and what they see and, and maybe he uses it. But that aspect where he said, you know, it gave every coach a sense of pride in, in, in their area. And, and I just think that it, it makes too much sense not to, you know, have already had that. But definitely it has to be good for Georgia, just what Todd Monken's established at Georgia and the fact that they know that, you know, Mike Bobo saw that last year and he's going to continue to, to use that same system. It just seems really efficient and something that probably will keep a lot of these assistance on staff along with continued raises maybe a lot longer than than they would have without that system yeah mike bobo gave great insight into that and i'm hoping to write about that as well in the coming hours coming days uh we will take a quick break come back talk about our expectations for that first fall camp scrimmage for georgia and then talk a little bit of recruiting news when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back, everybody. Well, as we had mentioned, Georgia is closing in on their first scrimmage of fall camp. Uh, it doesn't seem like we'll be able to watch much of that. Even if we did, it would probably be the nice stretching that goes on in Sanford Stadium beforehand. Um, but we will get to talk to Kirby Smart Saturday afternoon after the scrimmage, uh, ask him a few questions about what went on. Kip, I will start with you. What do you want to hear or learn from this first scrimmage? What really interests you about what George is going to try to accomplish in Sanford Stadium on Saturday. Will Brock Vandegrift push Carson Beck in this quarterback battle? And I'm not trying to say that Gunnar Stockman can't, but I just think this is a really big scrimmage for him and a really big part of fall camp because if we think Carson Beck's probably going to be the starter, then now we have to start talking about that backup quarterback position. And we watched Carson Beck you know, have that role last season, what that did for him in confidence, what that did for him in development, and why this offseason we've seen what looks to be a different Carson Beck out there. And so if you're Brock Vandegrift, if you're going to continue along that same path, this is where you take, you know, that step in your development uh, as a quarterback. 
So you want to start, you know, not just showing flashes, you want to be consistent. And if you can put some, you know, some heat on Carson Beck and, and push him a little bit in camp, uh, then, you know, even better, you, you probably have give yourself a better chance to earn, you know, serious game reps instead of maybe mop up duty. But even then, I mean, you need to make sure you're holding off Stockton for that role because they're probably, I mean, we can't see them playing three quarterbacks during the season, you know, early on in the year, you might see the backup get some increased snaps just because of the opponents, but they're going to lock in and then that's going to be it. So I think this weekend's real big for Brock and, and he needs to, uh, you know, if not lock down the backup job, you know, at least take strides in that area while still trying to push back and, and at least make them think hard on who they want their starting quarterback to be. Ben, how about you? Uh, what interests you going into the first scrimmage? I mean, I guess because Kamari Lasseter hasn't been a full participant, the corners that have been battling for that spot opposite of him are going to get more reps than ever. And I've talked earlier today already just about the number of great wide receivers that Georgia has. And that means in the scrimmage, they're going to be able to be facing, I mean, they're going to be facing a lot of guys that are completely fresh. Georgia's going to be able to rotate those receivers as well as it's ever been to be able to rotate them. And I think as a result, Dalen Everett, Nyland Green, Julian Humphrey are going to get that work that it's going to be the first time full pads, game situations where I think defensive coaches are going to be able to say, all right, who really is the best fit to be put opposite of Kamari Lasseter? Now, will that decision be made in the first scrimmage? Obviously not. That's a position battle that will probably leak into the season a little bit just because you're afforded the luxury of rotating at a position that Kirby Smart doesn't traditionally rotate much at. But I, uh, I think that it, seeing out of those three who has the best day will probably tell a lot about what that position opposite of Kamari looks like going forward. You guys hit on the two big ones for me, but I'll throw in two other ones I want to hear about, and that is running back, as we just talked about. Kendall Milton is not 100%. Who is able to step up? Do we see a situation where Branson Robinson, who's really just getting back, does he uh, have much say in how that scrimmage goes? What does his workload look like? And then also just those other guys, Dejan Edwards, Roderick Robinson, the uh, walk-ons, Cass Jones, and Savon Clark. How do they handle this moment? And, uh, you know, Kirby's never been one to uh, shy away if he's not happy with what he sees. So it'll be interesting to hear what he has to say about running back. Then the other position I'll throw in there is just interior defensive line. You know, a lot of questions about what you're going to do without a Jalen Carter on this team. And, you know, going back to the spring, Kirby made it sound like they have a lot of options. I mean, it's sort of a situation of quantity um, versus the quality of just having that Jalen Carter, you know, just rack up tackles for loss and just totally uh, dominate the opposing offensive line. But they've got really good options in guys like John Logue and Nazir Stackhouse, Christian Miller, uh, Jordan Hall, some of those younger guys as well. Um, what are they able to show in that first scrimmage, and are they up for the challenge? Well, turning the page to recruiting, uh, a little bit of news uh, these last few weeks. Um, some developments that Georgia was not exactly excited to hear, especially Georgia fans. Uh, losing a couple of safety commits, uh, in addition to missing out on five-star K.J. Bolden. Um, while we were in Nashville for SEC Day, Salem Hayward had decommitted. Uh, he has since committed to UCF. Uh, and then earlier this week, Peyton Woodyard, another four-star safety, flipped his commitment from Georgia to Alabama. Ben, I'll start with you. What do you make of the safety position? 
And if Georgia does decide to go after someone else, um, who are the names to keep an eye on? Yeah, so this has been the hot topic, obviously, this week. I, You know, I, for one, and this is just a little aside here, I was kind of glad knowing that Peyton Woodyard was a possibility that he would end up flipping his commitment at some point. It all happening the same week as the K.J. Bolden news and then Jalen Hayward announcing his commitment, all of that coming together all at one point, I actually appreciated because I think it was able for all of the most frustrated folks, all of the people that haven't had anything to complain about much over the last two years, it gave them one week where they could just pile it all on all together. So that was just a nice little touch, everything happening all at once. But what I'll say is, I'm like not to sugarcoat anything, there were some misses there. Missing on K.J. Bolden is a legitimate miss. Peyton Woodyard is a guy that Georgia obviously wanted, has recruited, and really, you know, battled for. I think that when it came down to it, USC or Alabama was going to just, they were going to end up with him over Georgia when it all came down to it. Um, so, yes, there have been some misses. What I w- will say is I don't think that it's end of the world. I think we all know that when it comes to defensive back recruiting, Georgia recruits a lot of guys at the defensive back position. I think what makes this a little bit weird is that there's been so many cycles where you say, man, how many defensive backs are Georgia going to take this cycle? It feels like they're just, you're going to take all of them. This is one of the rare cycles in the Kirby Smart era where it says, oh, maybe they're not going to go and take as many as they have in the past. Maybe they're going to take a little bit of a smaller group and they're going to recruit other positions. They're going to take six offensive linemen. They're going to continue recruiting a lot of defensive linemen. They might end up taking three linebackers. So they're able to add some different numbers to different position groups, three running backs. So it's an opportunity for maybe the defensive back room to take a a step back. That said, they're obviously still going to recruit Cam Michael. We've talked about him a lot down in the Statesboro area. He's a guy that can play. He could play receiver at Georgia. I will stand on the table and beat the Cam Michael drum saying he could play any position you want him to play. He's that good. I, and he, I had people asking questions is, will he be a take if he waits until after the summer? I think we've seen as how the numbers are shaking out. Cam Michael has no worries taking the, his recruitment as long as he feels it's necessary. He's going to be a take at everywhere that's recruiting him until the end. Um, but he's a guy that obviously Georgia wants to recruit and they're going to recruit until the end. They've got two guys already committed. You can't ever forget about the guys that you already have committed. Ellis Robinson might be the best, just pure overall player in the entire class. You can make the case he's the best prospect in the 2024 cycle. He could play corner. He's a true cover corner. He has the ability to play safety. DeMello Jones, we have him listed as a safety. Georgia's conversations with him have really been around corner and star, but he absolutely has the flexibility to play safety as well. And I think that's the big point that I want to get to is, When you look at Georgia's defensive backs, that's the ones that they have on the roster now. That's the guys that they're recruiting. More often than not, they're recruiting guys that can be sort of, there's no position to them in the defensive backfield. They can sort of play anywhere. You look at a guy like Javon Bullard, and I think he's the perfect story for what Georgia defensive backs can look like. He was recruited as a cornerback. He was listed as a cornerback. I think he was like six foot 180 or something like that coming out of high school. And we've seen him, transition into the star position and now he's probably going to be starting at safety this year and I think Georgia sees a lot of value in guys that have the ability to play safety but have the speed quickness to play cornerback and I think with DeMello Jones with Ellis Robinson you already have that with Cam Michael you would have that as well and as we know Georgia took Kyron Jones at the end of last cycle a guy that was committed to play running back at North Carolina State so there's certainly people that could end up on Georgia's radar that could turn into real legitimate players that we might not even fully know about yet 
Kip, what do you make of the safety situation? And uh, if you want to talk uh, some Georgia fans off the ledge as far as panicking about how this has played out in the most recent weeks. I think if you're a high school safety and you look at Georgia, you kind of know that two of those spots are probably locked up for next year. Uh, you know, if you're starting ahead of Malachi Starks or, I mean, he hasn't started yet, but Jonel Aguero, then you've had yourself a hell of a fall camp. So that's right there tells you that, you know, for next year, I think with Georgia recruiting, uh, the safety position is going to be fine. And to take it a step further, I'm not 100% sure that Javon Bullard does not come back for another season. And it, you know, we've seen it happen before with guys that on paper look like day one, maybe day two picks come back to Georgia. Uh, that's the aspect of Kirby Smart recruiting that he unlocked early on and, and really has been a key part as far as his journey as a head coach and being successful at Georgia is he's ha- able to tell these guys, you still have something to play for here. And then after the fact, they actually have success, not just in college, but their draft stock goes through the roof. I mean, you haven't really had a guy that's come back and people kind of go, wait, and then their stock you know, goes down. It's been pretty good for almost every one of these guys and obviously the on-field success. So maybe Javon Bullard is actually back at Georgia next season. You know, I'm not going to put a percentage on that, but it's, it's non-zero, you know? So the, they are fine there at that position for next year. And you obviously have... You know, David Daniel, you have Ja'Cory Thomas, you have Kyron Jones. You got guys there. They have numbers there. And to Ben's point, and you recruit if you're being recruited at DB to Georgia, you're just being recruited for the secondary. You know, you can you call it cornerback safety. I mean, the just the fact that they have that star position there allows them to recruit every DB telling them, you know, even though they, they actually see them as a safety you know, you still have the star position because the traits they look for at the cornerback position or at the defensive back position is just freaks. They look; for, It's a measurable position for Georgia. They, they want the size, the speed, the athleticism to play anywhere back there. And, and so, you know, that's huge uh, just for their recruiting efforts because, again, you could recruit cornerbacks, doesn't work out, put them at safety. They usually excel at Georgia. So I, I think for this class, again, you just you just recruit Cam. Uh, you you look and see if anyone blows up as a senior, and, and then you kind of go from there. And I, I don't think that again, it's really going to have a huge negative impact on Georgia's overall roster makeup. And I said it before; uh, these numbers were going to have to work themselves out. They weren't going to be able to sign everyone. We were talking about are that you know everyone wants to know are they going to have signed thirty three in this class? And I, I said. I don't think so. I mean, they still could. There are a lot of guys that want to go to Georgia, still more than what they have room for. But, you know, now that, you know, they're back to 25, 26 guys, and, you know, right now there's basically three or four guys left on the board, we're right back where I thought Georgia would be, which is in the end signing, you know, 27 to 29 guys in, in this class. Well, guys, I think that's going to wrap up this episode. I appreciate you guys for popping on. Appreciate everyone who watched this live and everyone who has listened to this after the fact. Be sure to go subscribe to dogs247.com if you haven't already. Go on there. we got a ton of content uh, already. And after we finish this episode, I know we got other stories in the works. Go to Dogs247 on YouTube. We've got a ton of videos, both of the Junkyard Dogcast as well as 
uh, the interviews we've had with Georgia players and Georgia coaches so far in fall camp. So for Kip Adams and Ben Wolk, I'm Jordan Hill. We are out of here. Until next time, everybody take care. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.